Hello. Passionate about sustainability, energy, and climate? You're in the right place. Welcome to Energetic. I'm Maureen Cornelis, and together we will engage with people who dedicate their lives to climate justice and making a just energy transition happen. They may be activists, scientists, policymakers, or other enthusiasts just like you. Let the life stories and insights inspire you to build a better future for people and the planet. Welcome to Energetic. Today, my guest is Ilaria Marini, an engineer at the Italian utility 2A Calore Servizi, Adoea. At first, in 2017, she focused on the maintenance and optimization of district heating networks. She then became project manager of a demo project site in Brescia, in Lombardy. Since last year, she's been involved in their Reward Heat project, a district heating project using the groundwater wells in the city of Milan. Ilaria is an engineer. She's a young engineer, and our discussion today will be fantastic. Ilaria, welcome. Welcome, Marine. Thank you for inviting me here. It's a great pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you so much, Ilaria. So, Ilaria, to date, the energy sector remains very, very male-dominated, especially from a technical point of view. You, on the other hand, are a female engineer. What brought you to study engineering and technical sciences? And what are you concretely doing with the HUA or ADWEA? Okay. What you said is really correct. In fact, it is still engineering sector is still quite dominated by male presence. But I have to say that in the last years, I'm seeing more and more female colleagues and I'm really happy about these newcomers in the sector. Well, I decided to study engineer when I was at the end of the high school. I studied um, foreign languages and sciences at high school. And after five years, I was much more uh, passionate about science-related topics compared to the, to the foreign languages. So um, I decided that the best way to proceed with um, a further understanding and a, a deeper learning of this topic would be studying something that was related to this sector. And I found this course that is a combined bachelor master degree in civil engineering and architecture at the University of Brescia, the city I was born. And I enrolled in this course that I found really interesting and challenging at the same time. And for me, it was um, really natural to follow something that interests and passionates me, that is engineering or um, in general scientific related topics. But I discovered during the, the university that it was something that it, it's not so common around me, I, I would say. But I have the chance to, to meet other, uh, a lot of other people that had similar interests. And it was something totally straightforward to follow the, the passion I had. And during the university, I had also the, the chance to um, add some experience uh, abroad. I was an Erasmus student at the Strathclyde University of Glasgow in Scotland. And then I also did my the research for my thesis at the University of Toronto 
in Canada. And all of these experiences have taught me that I am strongly passionate about hydraulics and water management. So for this reason, I am, before I worked as intern and then as project assistant at the United Nations World Water Assessment Program, UNESCO, for the organization of a capacity building workshop. But after this experience, I found out that I was missing something more engineeristic, let's say something more practical and operational. So I made an application for A2A, a life company that supplies uh, electricity, natural gas, heat, water, and services. And in 2017, as you said before, I, I started working for A2A Calore Servizi, that is um, the company of the group that is dedicated to the design the production and distribution of heat through district heating services. And since that moment, I, I started discovering the district he heating sector, that it was a field I've never heard of. Yeah, indeed, district heating is uh, really a branch of energy that people never really consider or don't really hear of. And can you explain what it is and why does it matter? And Especially, why is it so relevant in northern Italy? Is there a place where district heating is is as widespread as northern Italy? I must say that I live in Turin and I had never heard about the district heating networks here in Turin, but apparently there are a couple of them. And I, I learned that thanks to you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, district heating, in fact, I, I discovered during the, the first period in my company is not a very recent technology because it appeared for the first time in the US at the end of the 19th century in between 1870 and 1880. So it's not something that is really recent, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though most of people doesn't know about it, but this is <laughs> something different. And in fact, it's a very common technology that is present in a very high number of cities around the world because the main district heating systems today are located in Moscow, Beijing, New York, Kiev, Seoul, Warsaw, Berlin, Hamburg, Helsinki, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Paris, Vienna, and in Italy, in Milan and Turin. So in, in your city, there is one of the most important and widespread networks in Italy. <laughs> I, must say, I don't think I'm connected to that district heating <laughs> network, but I would be really curious to understand also the reasons, like the historical development of district heating, if, if you know anything about that. or Yeah, well, I would try to provide um, a general explanation on this technology because I think it's really interesting and useful to know if you're living in a city where there is a district heating. In fact, it's quite widespread across Europe. So maybe some of the people who are listening to us are connected to this kind of system. And it's a system that is used to distribute hot water through a network that starting from a production plant is installed within the urban context. And this network is composed by two pipelines. One, and it is used to heat the dwellings where we live and work. Mm -hmm. The supply pipeline, so one of the two pipelines, uh, it is used to transport water at high temperature 
to, do, to the dwellings, where heat is exchanged to the building internal system. And heat, in this case, is used for space heating, but also for the production of domestic hot water that you have while you open the tap in the, the bathroom or also in the kitchen, basically. And at this point, when heat is extracted, let's say, through the heat exchanger that replaces the traditional boiler, hot water is not hot anymore. So it is transported through the return pipeline to the production plant where it is uh, heat, uh, it is warmed up again to start once more the, the process. So it's something that we can define it as a circular and never-ending uh, process. So, so it's basically hot water circulating along the pipes, like endless, an endless process. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And where does the uh, heat originally come from? Is it coming from industries? Are there some connections between the, let's say, big part production plants? Or where does the heat come from? Well, it depends a lot on each uh, system because each system has its own characteristics. Uh-huh. But regarding, for example, in Italy, the main sources are the cogeneration plants, fossil fuels, renewable and gas boilers. But there is also a portion of around 3% that uh, the total heat produced that is generated by groundwater uh, heat pumps. Okay. So basically, we could say to, to have a general idea that the, the most recent networks and systems have the possibility to use a wider range of heat sources since Nowadays, it is possible to install the newest technology that uh, allows the use of uh, excess heat but, and also waste heat as a source for, to supply heat to customers. Okay. So, for, uh, for example, this is something that is uh, really common in northern countries, that is the, the area where uh, district heating is the most common system to heat the, the houses and the dwellings. For example, in Denmark, the um, district heating can cover up to 60% of the total national heat demand. Wow. So it's a very quite uh, high percentage compared to, uh, to the ones of other countries in, in Europe. Yeah, but you mentioned heat. The thing is, you need heat only for a few months a year. The rest of the year, you, you actually need more cooling than, than heating. Is there a way to stop the process or how does that work? Well, in fact, to, the heat is used not only to warm the buildings and the, the spaces, but it is also used to produce uh, the hot water. And the use of hot water is, is all year long, so it's not only during the, the winter month, mm-hmm. basically. And also we are used to, to mild climate, uh, so the one that we have here in Italy. But in, in other countries, the period uh, uh, during which it is used, uh, the heat is longer than in Italy. And also nowadays, we are using the same idea also to build, uh, to install district cooling. That is, let's say, the, twi- the um, cold twin of uh, district heating. And the idea is the same, but instead of exchanging heat 
in the building internal system, we are exchanging cold. And okay. this is possible in the, um, the fourth generation district heating that are a system that are developing in the last years. Mm-hmm. And within this system, it is possible to have uh, at the same time customers that need heat but also customers that are able to uh, provide heat to the network. For example, we have data centers that need a lot of cooling for all the processes inside them, so they are able to provide heat to the network, and therefore can, this heat can be used to, to heat up all, uh, the dwellings. Mm-hmm. And the same, the same idea could work also for energy centers and also for for big supermarkets. So we have these situations in some uh, projects around Northern Europe and also some in Reward Heat, that is another project I am coordinating for my company. And it is a project that is within the frame of Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the European funded project. Yeah, exactly. And I think that mm, this project is really interesting because the idea is to create and install new district heating and cooling networks. And it is an experimental project. So we are proceeding with some experimentation also in, in labs. But the, the very interesting thing is that we are also testing these, install, these researches into eight demonstration sites across mm-hmm. Europe. So okay. we are doing something that is quite new and challenging at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you like as an engineer. And of course. <laughs> and if I understood well, this reward heat project, you are developing it in the city of Milan. In case people who are listening to us right now don't know, the city of Milan is the economic capital of Italy and for the last 10 to 15 years, it has been developing like, like a mushroom. The, the development of, of Milani is, we can say, it's quite crazy. There's a lot of skyscrapers. It's, uh, there are neighborhoods which used to be uh, basically nothing. And now the, you have skyscrapers on it. And you should definitely visit. It's a, it's a beautiful city. But I'm really curious to understand how you managed to, to deal with the city that is getting so many complex layers also you know from a very technical point of view to dig some other networks or make sure that this uh, heat or cool arrive to the dwellings without warming basically without with or without cooling is that the the same level of comfort is arriving everywhere because milan is a very very modern city and its inhabitants are quite demanding that's at least the reputation they have in in italy (laughs) (laughs) so i wouldn't imagine them to have less than very very hot water when they want it or less than very cool uh, water when they wanted to. So uh, how do you manage to make that happen? What is the magic behind that? <laughs> I wouldn't say that the magic is the ability of my colleagues to make everything work as it is uh, foreseen. So, so the magic is people, of course, and the ability to perform a perfect job. <laughs> But apart, apart from, from this, as you said, Milan is a really challenging city because of 
the quickness of its development and also the requirements all the new buildings and, and works have. So um, the city is very big, as you said, and in fact, in Milan, there, there is not only one network, but at the moment there are around 10 to 12 networks that uh, start from very small ones to quite big ones. Let's okay. say that there are three of them that are, each of them more than 100 kilometers long, but uh, the length has to be uh, multiplied twice because as I was saying before, we have two pipelines. So normally when we are talking about the length of networks, we mentioned just the, the trench length. And so this is quite big. And what we are doing at the moment, since there are several activities on the, the residential areas, but also regarding refurbishment of some area, we are trying to install new networks and we are trying also to connect all the different networks to make just a new, a very big one. And we are also trying to introduce more and more renewable and waste heat sources. So for mm -hmm. example, we are integrating different, the characteristics of the city, because for example, in Milan, we have a, a very high number of geothermal wells. So we are trying to, to use some of them to provide heat to the buildings nearby these, uh, these wells. And we are planning in collaboration with the company managing the water cycle in Milan, a cogeneration plant using this source. We are also using the, the existing plant to optimize them. We are building in one of our plants a heat storage system to maximize the heat recovery also during nights. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are uh, eight ways also participating in railway refurbishment area. So in Greco Breda area, that is a project uh, for uh, one of all the stations in uh, Milan. We want to install uh, an innovative district heating system of fourth generation that will be able to supply heat that is obtained by renewable sources and waste heat recovered by industrial processes. So we are also trying to include in the, the new network the waste heat from industrial processes because it is quite uh, well known that a lot of industrial processes use heat but then that is otherwise just let in the, the atmosphere and the environment. This way we will use the excess heat to provide heat to customers and to buildings. And of course, this heat is not at high temperature it is at lower temperatures, so also the, all the technology has to adapt to this important characteristic of the heat vector. That's so interesting that you are able to recycle some of the energy that was already produced to supply the a service, to supply comfort, to supply wellness to, to the people. That's so interesting. And, you know, the fact that there is this uh, recycling approach resonates with the latest episode of Energetic, where we, we talked with uh, Jean Paquin from uh, a, a SAF Plus Consortium, where he basically said that he was recycling the molecules from heavily 
polluting industry to make some synthetic uh, fuel to power the uh, aircraft. So that's that's really interesting to see that at the end of the day, we can use all these industries, existing industry, and make them more virtuous by using also the externalities that they are producing. Somehow, I find it very simple, but still uh, very innovative. I mean, I think that it's so important that we are now seeing also externalities as something that we can all make use of and that there is value in what you called waste or what I was just calling externalities. It's, it's super interesting, like the business model that is behind and, and the process also uh, to consider all this into, let's say, a, a new mix and make it something else. And uh, that's really the future of sustainability and circularity in the end, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Marine. It's something that is, on one side, as you said, very simple because the idea is really straightforward. So we have something that exceeds somewhere and this can be used to provide a comfort, a service in another sector. And this is really straightforward. But on the other end, all the, the, the technology that facilitates and allows you to accomplish this uh, this goal is not as easy as the idea so it needs a lot of experimentations and a lot of thoughts and and work so it's something that is really challenging in my opinion but i think it is really important also for the moment we are in where we really need to be proactive and try to protect and safeguard the environment and our planet. So this is really important. And I think we are, at least for in the district heating sector, we are going into this direction. And what would be your dream project or dream job, let's say, in this <laughs> sector? Well, I think it's not really far from what I'm doing at the moment, because as you mentioned, I am project coordinator for my company in a couple of European uh, funded projects and both projects want to provide uh, a more sustainable and more uh, green district heating in our uh, continent, so in Europe. And I think it, it is really important for me because it's something that we can leave as an important value to the future generation and to all the other people that are around us. So this is really important for me and the possibility to, to learn from other experiences and other best practices that we are sharing uh, within this project. It is something that it's as a very big value for me and the possibility also to share thoughts and experiences is something that is also a way to deepen your knowledge and also to to grow as a person and uh, in, within your profession. So it's something that really fascinates me and also it's a challenge, an everyday challenge, I, I would say. <laughs> and for the future, I'd, I would love to have more female colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> Since I am, most of the time, I am the only woman <laughs> doing meetings or performing activities. So it's something that I am trying to, to promote 
And for this reason, I had the possibility to participate to uh, the GEA project that is a project within my company that uh, GEA stays for Gender Equality A2A. Mm-hmm. And I am part of the pro- uh, this project since its very be- beginning in 2019. Nice. And I decided to be part of this activity for the reason I was mentioning before. So the possibility to have more and more female colleagues. But I am participating also because I think that it is important to be proactive when you want to change something. Therefore, I wanted to be at least trying to be an agent of change. So I decided to be a part of this project. And I have to say that it's something really interesting and it aims in general in within my company to develop a culture of promotion and enhancement of gender diversity. So this is something that is really within my interest and uh, last year, I, we became like more active and proactive, and we uh, became agents. <laughs> it's a really nice uh, uh, word to say as agents because every time I imagine like 007 agents, so <laughs> it's not really the same thing, but <laughs> it's a, a funny word. And this role wants to create more awareness of unconscious bias and uh-huh. coaching leadership behaviors among all the colleagues at, in order to promote uh, cultural change. And I also had the possibility to become a role model with the Ellis project. It is a, a project with a Sistema Scuola Impresa mm-hmm. that promotes the, the sharing of experiences and knowledge between the professional world so female professionals and the, the schools. So last month, I was with a colleague during a meeting with a high school class. And we had the chance to, to talk about our experience since the, the school till today. And it was something that was really interesting, but challenging at the same time, because I wanted to make clear that it's even though we are uh, labeled as role models, Everything is needs to, to a lot of work, a lot yeah. of passion, and also we have obstacles as everyone on the way. So it is important to follow our inclinations as well as our passions, mm-hmm. and it is important to think big. If, as I was saying, if you want to change something, it is important to be proactive and start doing something like this. Yeah, in in any field. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's the fact that you want to be a role model and you don't, I mean, you are already paving the way for other women to step in, in the engineering field, in your company as well. Uh, The fact that your company is also uh, very proactive uh, to that matter is, is something that you should be really proud of and that should be valued at a very high level. The fact that you want to be a role model for younger women is so important to you because you're, I mean, maybe, did, did you receive this kind of advice or mentorship from women when, when you decided to embrace career in, in STEMs, uh, STEMs for uh, engineering and technical sciences, basically, scientific uh, studies? And did you feel that you missed something and that's why now you want to, to fill this gap and be this change that you wanted to see 
be this this person that was guiding the other is there something that you you felt that you missed somehow this is a really good question <laughs> well i i have to say that during my academic experience it was quite um, normal to female professors mm -hmm. so it was something that was not so uncommon to meet and also to find some person that were really passionate about their jobs and also highlighting the importance of proceeding and being passionate about your field of research or interest. So I have to say that I, I met a couple of very important and strong professors that were female and gave me a lot of advices and I would say they were my uh, role models within the, um, the research and academic area. But when I started working, in particular uh, when I had a more technical and operational activities, I realized that there were not so many female colleagues that I could uh, imagine as role models because Most of my activities were uh, regarding more operational performances or uh, processes. So it was quite, well, uncommon, I would say, very rare to meet a another female engineer. So I think, yes, it was something that I, I miss during the <laughs> my ex previous experience. And I think it is very important to find someone that you could relate to when you have to, to work or someone you could ask for some advices, not only like directly, but also like receiving them during talks, during some coffee breaks or just sharing experiences. So I think it was something that I really missed. So this is also one uh, of the other reasons why I think it is really important to to try to to share the knowledge and the experience I had so far. So in practice, what do you implement for this women empowerment and sorority that use this word <laughs> developments within Adwea? What kind of activities do you do you do? So we have started this uh, this project and we are trying to raise awareness, as I was saying, uh, of unconscious bias uh, within all the, the population of A2A because it's something that me, in, in first person, you really, uh, it's really difficult to understand that you have some preconceptions and mm -hmm. bias within you because it's something that is, in my opinion, something that it comes from your culture, from the way things I've always been. So it's something that is really um, difficult to identify and then to solve. So it's our uh, goal is to facilitate this process to find the, uh, the bias and to try to modify them. Another activity that we uh, want to promote is that we would like to facilitate the Uh, the presence of female colleagues within the area. So we are doing some activities with the universities, some orientation uh, meetings, or also presentation of our company to um, show that it is 
also possible to follow a technical profession mm-hmm. in in any case if you're a man if you're a woman and there is an equality of treatment and it is important to to share this information with with the students of high schools and university and we are also trying to promote this more female oriented process also to all the colleagues that are not involved into this project because mm-hmm. uh, in 8way we are around 12000 people and in the project we are around 50 55 people so it's something it's quite of a challenge i would say to also meet all these people and share this important message with all of them Yeah, it is. It is. It is, and I I suppose that there is there are so many different functions within the company. Um, not only the uh, technical one, but also the uh, administrative one, and also the decision making itself. I mean, that's also one of the uh, big issues regarding uh, female diversity and general representation is having people different profiles at the decision making level is also so important but i'm sure that step by step you will make your way to the top ilaya yeah. yeah i don't know about myself but we are uh, for sure trying to promote also a higher participation in all the boards and also the company itself has been committed in several activities with also other companies for example Two years ago, Eightway signed the Utilitalia Pact, diverse mm-hmm. makes difference, and it is a member also of Valore D, that is an association of businesses committed to gender balance in organization in in Italy. So these activities had promoted the participation to uh, a manifesto of Valore D, a nine points policy. A document to promote female employment and gender equity as a factor of innovation and growth. So it's something that has several layers, and we are trying to meet all the the colleagues, all the levels within our company, from starting from the bottom and the top at the same time. So it's something that is like. We, it's a process that we are trying to make it deeper and deeper and shared among everyone yeah but that's the beauty of that is that uh, sustainability is not only about the technical aspect it's also about society that you that you build and not only for your customer but also within the company and i feel it's very healthy that your company is having this kind of thoughts about inclusivity and about diversity so it means that there is this uh, understanding that to be really uh, good for the future to be relevant in the future your company has to understand also the challenges that exist now and not only as i said the technical challenges but also the the human challenges and i find it really fascinating and i'm as I, i'm really sure that you will nudge people into doing many many good things still and you you will develop many many new ideas laria i really hope so that's my wish for the future okay thank you so much laria for this lovely conversation i wish you the very very best and please keep me updated about uh, your future uh, adventure and uh, because i you are ambitious and uh, you have 
such a vision for the future. I love that. So, uh, Ilaria, we can find you on all social media, I suppose, uh, yes. on LinkedIn. Yes, perfect. And uh, I'm sure our our listener today will reach out to you for any further discussion. And it was such a pleasure to have you here today with me, Ilaria. Thank you very much, Marine. It was a great pleasure having this really interesting and positive conversation with you. And I really hope we will have the chance to, to meet in person once and to, to keep on sharing our experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ilaria. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Energetic. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into sustainability and the just energy transition with the most inspiring stakeholders. All links and resources are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this podcast, why not recommend it to a friend or a colleague? To continue the conversation, head on over to Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you for lending your ears. That's all for this episode. Until next time.